This is Theology for the Rest of Us with your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This is Theology for the Rest of Us coming at you from the great metropolis of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thank you for being in the audience of this podcast. Thank you so much for giving me a voice into your life. I am so incredibly grateful for the number of people that allow me to have a voice. Um, I'm humbled by it, so thank you so much. This is episode 288, and I'm going to be tackling a topic that I love, and that is missions. We're going to be talking about global missions. I've talked about this a few times on the pod before, but love talking about it because it is so important. And this particular episode is inspired uh, by an email that I got from a listener of the pod. Super stoked to bring it to you. Before we get to the topic at hand, reminder, we've got a great website, theologyfortherestofus.com. All of the old uh, archived episodes are on there. You can search episodes by subject and topic. All the show notes and additional resources for each episode are on the website. And then there's an entire uh, resources section with lots of recommended books, blogs, other podcasts, curriculums, as well as my all-time uh, favorite books list, about 100 books listed by topic and subject on there. It's a great resource. Check it out, theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's get to the topic for this episode. I got an email from a listener by the name of Amy. Amy says this, she goes, hello, I just started listening to your podcast and I have a question that I would love to hear about soon if you're willing and able to respond. Let me pause there for a second. Amy, so glad to have you. It's been a few months since I got your email. I apologize for my delayed response. Hopefully this is helpful. Let me continue. She says this, I found an episode where you did about why we should care about missions and I completely agree with your points. However, I'm faced with a dilemma of faith and missions right now regarding where to go. Clearly, it is important to go to the unreached people groups that have no access to the Bible or gospel. But we, but what about the pre-evangelized countries, like many in Europe, that are post-Christian? I know from friends who have gone to many countries in some of these uh, to, that have gone to places in these countries uh, that were raised within Orthodox or Catholic churches. Yet, because that is such a cultural requirement. Many do not actually believe or are certainly not outspoken with their faith if they possess it. I have an opportunity to go on a mission to Greece focused almost entirely on forming relations with people in hopes of spreading the true gospel. Do you believe there is a need for this sort of mission? Would such a trip be worth the thousands of dollars raised by goers or should the collective pool of money uh, or should the collective pool money together for the people that are willing to give, go exclusively to missions in the unreached nations. I think I just misread that slightly, or maybe there was a slight grammar there. Apologize, Amy. Uh, anyway, the email finishes this way. What has your study of the Bible revealed to you about the nature of missions, humanitarian service versus forming relationships and evangelizing, and where you ought to go? Thank you so much for your time, Amy. All right. Long email, but I loved it, and I think I stumbled across it. I'd misread it. Apologize that, Amy. Okay, so basically the idea of missions. I love missions. I think every person, or excuse me, every Christian must be involved in global missions. All of us have a role to play in propagating the gospel to the unreached of the world. There are people that have been completely unreached, meaning they've never heard the gospel. And that accounts for about, uh, at current time, as of June of 2019, that accounts for about 42% of the entire 
world population. Let me say that again. As of June 2019, approximately 42% of the entire population of the planet have never had an opportunity to hear and believe the gospel, not even once. That's a big, big deal. That should convict our hearts. That should motivate us. That should cause us to be very sober-minded about about how we approach missions. And every single one of you, if you call yourself a believer in Christ, have a role to play. It's not if you have a role to play. It's what your role to play is. Okay, It's not an option. When you became a Christian, you signed up to be a part of, of promoting the gospel to the unreached peoples of the world. One of my favorite pastors, a man by the name of John Piper, he says it, he says it this way. There are only three kinds of Christians, either zealous goers, zealous senders, or disobedient Christians. That's it. Which category are you in? Are you a zealous goer? Someone who's going to go overseas with enthusiasm and passion and zeal and conviction to, to, to take the gospel to where it's never been taken before, to plant churches, to translate the Bible, to preach, to evangelize? To, to bring humanitarian aid where needed, right? to bring education where needed? Or are you going to be someone who may not go, but you're going to be enthusiastically sending people? You're going to be giving money, giving lots of money to missions. You're going to be helping mobilize people and bring awareness and serving the church in, in, a, in a capacity that allows the propagation of the gospel to the unreached to expand rapidly. Are you going to enthusiastically go, or are you going to help other people get there? Which, which of the two? Or... Are you going to be the third category? Are you going to be flat out disobedient? That's what John Piper would say. And I think Jesus would agree. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of all nations. All of us have a role to play in world missions. What's your role? What are you going to do? That's important. That's a long preamble and a long intro to, to how I'm going to answer Amy's question. Amy, here's how I'd answer your question. Whatever you think the Lord's calling you to do, do it. Now, I think long-term, churches need to spend more energy and more money on the unreached. Currently, less than 3% of all givings is, giving to, is going to unreached and ungaged, unengaged people groups. That is really, really sad. And some people say it's even less than that. But the vast majority of monies and the vast majority of missions activity go to places where people are already reached. However, we need long-term strategies. It's, it's virtually impossible to do a short-term mission trip or do short-term humanitarian work in a place where the gospel has never been preached. Um, it's not impossible, it's just really, really hard. So typically what we end up doing is we do short-term trips or, or shorter-term strategies where mission activities already have been, been happening. We wouldn't expand that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing missions work and doing evangelism amongst people that have already heard the gospel. Or as Amy's saying, hey, there's people who have grown up Orthodox or Catholic, and they're a part of the cultural you know, element of, of Christianity or, or Christendom, but they're not actually believers in the true gospel. I think, Amy, your email is 100% accurate. There are lots of people growing up in religious culture. They've been around Christian things, but they themselves are not actual Christians. And I think it's extremely helpful and can be extremely valuable if you have a great partner on the ground that has a great strategy to allow you to come into that particular country, that particular region, and to plug into whatever ministry they're already doing where you can build relationships and share the gospel with people. And hopefully, by God's grace, they will respond to the gospel by putting their faith in Christ. That would be awesome, right? I have no problem with that whatsoever. 
So Amy, if you want to do that, go ahead and do it. Now, Amy sent me this email several months ago, so she may have already done that. Um, she may have already gone ahead and done that. And so if you did that, Amy, I just want to say Mazel Tov. I endorse that. That's awesome. And I, I love short-term missions. I've been on like 47, 40-something 40 or other short-term mission trips, almost 50 in my life. I forget the exact number at this point. And I've been a big, big proponent. Um, I would say there it is plausible that short-term missions would be done wrongly, and there's a way to do it rightly. There's a way to wait. There's a way to actually cause damage, and there's a way to do it in a way that's really helpful. So I'd encourage you to just make sure that you're involved in missions that are really helpful. The greatest resource I've ever come across is a book called When Helping Hurts. Again, it's called When Helping Hurts, a fantastic resource. I'd encourage everyone to check it out. Another great resource I'd encourage uh, is a book that's designed for student ministry. Um, it's called Gospel-Centered Student Ministry. I actually interviewed the authors of that book for my other podcast, the Student Ministry Podcast. I've since retired that podcast, but um, it was a great, great episode, a few episodes I did there. But in that book, there's one specific chapter right around short-term missions. Um, the book is about student ministry as a whole and doesn't really dive into missions a bunch, but there's one particular chapter specifically on how to do effective gospel-centric short-term missions. I think that book is worth buying just for that chapter. It's really, really valuable. So When Helping Hurts, fantastic resource. I encourage everyone to, to get a copy of it. Check it out. Uh, it's a great book, as well as the book Gospel-Centered Student Ministry, and go ahead and read that one chapter on short-term missions. It'll be really, really helpful. And if you're listening to this and you're involved in youth ministry, read the whole book. It'll be extremely uh, helpful to you. So, Amy, to answer your question, do I think short-term missions to places where people are already reached uh, is valuable? Absolutely. As long as you're doing it rightly, as long as you have a good strategy, you have a good partner that has a really good, effective strategy that you can plug in. What we don't want to do is show up and do our own thing and kind of be the, the heroes of the story. We want to come in and plug into something that's already pre-existing. We want, we want to almost be the background role. We want to be the support role, helping to build up the people that are already doing missions there. Because we're only going to be there for a week or two or a short period of time. There's people that are there before us, people that are going to be there after us. Well, what we want to do is show up and help support them, to prop them up, to build up their ministry, to help them expand their influence in whatever region they're doing ministry so that when we leave, they can be more effective and have more impact because of the efforts we spent. If you have a really effective strategy and a really great partner that you can plug into and help them do great gospel-centric ministry and you do that well, and it's well worth it, I believe, in a lot of cases. In most cases, it will certainly be worth the energy and the money. I would say to churches and to faith-based organizations and to denominations, on a long-term scale, it is far more valuable to spend more energy, more time, more resources going to the unreached. If you have the opportunity to do unreached stuff, do it. It doesn't mean you can't do short-term stuff or you can't do stuff with people that are already reached, you know, going to Latin America or, or parts of Africa that already have the gospel or going to, like Amy said, a place like, like a, a heavily Catholic region, maybe in, in Europe or, again, places of Latin America. That's totally cool. But I would, I would encourage everyone to start thinking about and praying about how to start spending more time, more energy, more reach, resources on the unreached because there's loads of people that have never heard the gospel even once. And we desperately want them to hear the gospel. That takes a lot of planning, a lot of strategy. That's a long-term strategy. It usually takes a lot of people. It's a, it's a significant collective effort. It's going to be harder, but I would encourage all church leaders to start pressing in, in that direction to, to the best of, of your ability.
Amy, I would encourage you just to pray and ask the Lord to continue to give you wisdom. Take every opportunity you have to get involved in missions, every short-term trip, every opportunity locally, get involved with people from all around the world. You know, here in Minneapolis, we have a huge Somali population. So I've been challenging myself and people in my small group to maybe let's get more involved in in Somali ministry in our in our own backyard. So I'd encourage you to take every opportunity, whether that's locally or globally. And then I would encourage you to be the champion in your local church. Be the one that starts kind of talking a lot more about missions in your church and see if you can try to be the person that's a catalyst to get your church to get more involved and more engaged long-term with unreached people groups and regions of the world that have no church, no Bible, no gospel presence whatsoever. In the meantime, keep doing short-term trips. In the long-term, keep pushing, keep motivating people, keep bringing awareness and mobilizing people to get involved in, in long-term missions to people who have never heard. I, I think it's it's not an either-or. It's a both and. I think we all should be involved in doing all of the above. And we just pray and ask God for wisdom and creativity on how he wants to do it in his timing by his grace. Amy, thank you so much for your email. Uh, I'm encouraged by your by your email. I love when people are thinking about these sorts of things and are grappling with these sorts of things. I think you are thinking rightly about these sorts of things. I love it. I would encourage you to keep doing that. Keep listening to the podcast and uh, and I hope it's a blessing to you. Hey, to everyone listening to this, I hope this podcast episode has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic that you want me to address on a pod, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. If you want me to uh, to clarify anything I've said in this episode, I'd also love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. Or if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me their name and, and contact info. That would be fantastic. So for any of these things, shoot me an email. The best address is Hey Ortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Where you can find me on Twitter, I tweet a lot and I love connecting with people there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.